Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 108. My name is John Maloney, and as always, I'm joined by my digital pod brother... Ah, uh, Alexander Holland. I'm so I'm, I'm so not used to this bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so not used it's to letting you little switch up. Me and John. I should really beat my own path, but so far I've just kind of done. Although I used to do a few intros here and there, but so mm. but since coming back to it, I've just done an exact copy of your cadence and style. For all of the don't praises out there. I got a phone call a couple of weeks ago from John's partner Jacinta, and she mm-hmm. said, "Now I don't want to, <laughs> don't want to stick my nose in where it doesn't. Don't want to get involved. Yeah, but I got to tell you, Al, I'm having a lot of trouble <laughs> at home because <laughs> John is telling me over our delicious green chicken curry dinners that mm. he's not doing the intros, and he's starting to get real angry." And then he hurled oh, green chicken curry plates against the wall. <laughs> and I can't, she said, I cannot do another week of cleaning, cleaning green chicken curry off the ceiling. Yeah. So yeah, can't. that's right. She said, that stuff really gets lodged in the paint. <laughs> this, is my new, this is my new house. And mm. I did not choose light lime green as the paint swatch for my <laughs> kitchen roof. And that's what that's what's happening. Yeah, so I you, keep telling her just let me keep doing it, and eventually it'll form a nice even coat. <laughs> no, I was listening to a, I was listening to a couple of old episodes where you had done the mm-hmm. intros, and I really liked them. And I said, mm, "Thanks." I said, "I'd for, I'd sort of forgotten about that, but um, yeah, you came to me and said, get back on the horse.'" And I said, "I don't know if I can do it. Get your confidence back." Mm. Just have a few, Was just a, have 20 beers before the cast. Yeah, I'm smashed at the moment. It's a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a King's Speech situation, except my, <laughs> my salve is just getting shit-faced. Do you, um, do you have any funny stories that happened <clears throat> to you in the week? You, yeah, actually. Off, I, keep the energy high with fun sure. and frivolity. Okay, all right. I've always got, right. my notes have always got, it's always got. It's got DPTM 108, then it's got intro, mm. and then it's got frivolity. It's the next encourage note. John <laughs> to encourage John to, to keep it fun. Um, <laughs> I actually was thinking about something today, which um, was quite an amusing episode that I forgot to mention on the podcast that links to something that we had previously talked about. So loyal listeners will remember that I was in uh, Berlin last year for yeah. a couple of, for a week. And we were in the same place for the podcast. One of the very few times that's happened. And one of the things we did when I was visiting Berlin was go to famed, uh, institution <laughs> in the toilet bar scene, uh, <laughs> the dust Clow, uh, which is a, which is for those who didn't, who haven't heard that episode, I urge you to listen to it. But, um, but it's a toilet themed. It's kind of it's a, it's broadly described as a toilet themed bar. Although really there are lots of obscure layers to the thematic uh, to the aesthetic choices inside. But it does have a kind of scatological um, toilety vibe. Yeah, to it's it. very kind of like and camp toilet exactly. horror. Yeah, that's right. It's just general sort of 
toilet. I would say toilet burlesque is the kind of theme. <laughs> uh, and and uh, broad toilet burlesque. <laughs> and so when I got back from Berlin, I had to. It came time for me to change a couple of pod. Uh, from, it came time for me to change a couple of passwords, and I thought. Uh, I was looking around my desk thinking of a useful prompt for a new password idea and I still had the Dust Glow coaster which we yeah. which we'd nabbed from the from the there as a bit of a as a bit of a souvenir and it's great. I've got I've got that and I've got or I think I've got a couple of coasters and I've got this little postcard above one of my toilets which is like uh, a man who is um using the toilet brush to clean his Arnos and then uh <laughs> And it's got a phrase in German, which I think means something like, don't, don't, this is the wrong way to do it. And then (laughs) in in the next frame of the cartoon, he's, he's kind of doing something slightly less incorrect. And then eventually he's using the toilet brush as one would. And so I love that. I love showing guests the little, (laughs) uh, the the kind of distasteful toilet brush man. Instructional. Yeah, exactly. But then I... So I saw this coaster on my desk and I thought, okay, I'll make my new password dust clow and then a sequence of numbers and, uh, and symbols and which will hopefully mean that I don't have to go off and change my passwords <laughs> after telling this story. I probably should. But, um, but so I, I changed that and I ended up using it for a variety of things, including when I started teaching at the university of Melbourne law school this semester, uh, my staff password. And then fast forward to, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had COVID, and so I was still well enough to attend my class, but I was teaching with uh, somebody else because I sort of co-teach this particular course. And um, I said, "Well, look, I'm I'm not going to be able to come in, but I can uh, I can attend via Zoom, and you've just got to set up the computer in the lecture theatre so that my face will appear on the screen behind all the students, and it'll all work well." But um, the guy that I teach with is not particularly tech savvy. He's a bit he's a bit older, so he didn't really know what his password or entry staff credentials were, and uh, he relied on me having to log in, which meant that he had to call me up and ask me for my username and password, and I had to tell him that the password was Dustclo and. Uh, I just hope that he doesn't have a working knowledge of German because <laughs> um, it means the toilet, doesn't it? The loo, basically. It means the toilet, yeah, the, the dunny, yeah. the loo. Yeah, and he's quite a learned man, so he's the kind of person who would know that. And I was just, I was slightly embarrassed because it was a bit like, you know, I don't know, I'm always kind of slightly conscious of that when I put in passwords that you don't want to settle on anything too vulgar because you might have to explain it to an IT person at yeah. some point. Um, like you, the, for the, like for the, the George, reason, in the George Costanza Bosco situation. Exactly, exactly. Uh, or you might be in a situation where, um, you know, there's the classic gag, which I still love to do, of disc- putting in the descriptor for any bank transa- transactions <laughs> or just put like, Fart poops or something, something really mature <laughs> on your mortgage and, payments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> imagine that. Imagine if, imagine if you by accident were doing a mortgage payment transfer 
and you did what mm. you typically do with Jacinta where you call a transaction, fart poops, and then the <laughs> bank calls you and says, we're missing we're missing your mortgage transaction for this yeah, month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. And they go, we do have some activity on your account, which we <laughs> can discuss now. And you go, yeah, I'll help you identify which mm. one it is. And then $20,000 with the description yeah. fart poops as the <laughs> transaction description. And they have, I mean, NAB now has, uh, which is National Australia Bank, now has um, rules that. Oh, yeah. Or, or kind of uh, gu- algorithmic guardrails in place to try and stop idiots putting vulgar descriptions. <laughs> but I've. It didn't take me very long to get around them. You should put like a Z where there should be an S or a symbol. Yeah. And people st- people can read that and understand that you mean fart poops. And they no love problem. it. And they absolutely love it. The person <laughs> who's checking your mortgage payments for once, yeah. in their, for once in their otherwise dry day. Exactly. Yeah. Just brings a little smile to people's faces. That's all I'm trying to do. Do you want a little fun? I had a fun... I just had a fun moment at the supermarket the other mm-hmm. day, which reminded me of a peep of a peep show episode. People yeah. will remember the the fantastic first person perspective shot British comedy peep show, mm-hmm. starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb. Robert Webb, thank you. They have a great scene where David is in the supermarket and there's a woman behind him and she's ordering like economy vodka is on the conveyor belt and he calls it a car crash of <laughs> a grocery shop. And I had a bit, I actually have those quite regularly in, in, um, in Berlin where you go to the supermarket and you just have a little bit of a browse at what the other people mm. are running through the checkout. And I, I get, I get something in Germany that you don't get John uh, in Australia. John, would I be right that you can't buy cigarettes just from the checkout woman at Woolies, can you? Can you say to the Woolly, the the woman at the checkout at Woolies, give me a pack of Marlboro Reds? Not just from a standard. You have to go to a specific area at the checkout, in of the checkout section is my understanding. Okay. Like you can't just go to, a, to any old uh, checkout person and say that you've got to be at the right spot. And obviously, you can't buy alcohol in supermarkets in Australia at the checkout. Well, yeah, I think you've got to go through a separate, often it's attached to it, but again, separate area. Yeah. So in <clears throat> in Germany, you can just buy, you can just, you, there's alcohol on the shelves, like there would be pasta mm. and cereal. So there's like mm-hmm. an alcohol aisle. Uh, and also, you, there's a massive amount of cigarettes at every checkout. You you still have to ask the person that they are behind a little automated kind of uh, a little automated tra- um, like a garage door, retractable yeah. door, and you just give a yeah. shout at you. as you approach the checkout. You just say to the checkout person, "Hey, can you open the thing?" And they make sure that you look 18. And they open it, you grab your cigarettes. And yeah, it's just okay. a woman behind me. I mean, and so I often see people that are having beer. Uh, and stuff, but but I loved the one yesterday because it was a woman and she just had cigarettes, popcorn, and energy drinks. That was her three items. I loved it <laughs> so. I just I just, just wanted so much to imagine. Life. I wanted to imagine what that life is where you go 
where you're outside of you're outside of the supermarket and a part of your brain mm. has a craving that it can't yeah. resist and it goes Janine and Janine just goes you know what I need right now you know what I can't live without cigarettes popcorn <laughs> and monster energy drinks and then she's yeah. gone and stood in line for yeah. a few minutes behind five or six mm. people and she's picked up those items and she's going to go home I'm assuming what catch a flick with the popcorn, throw on Netflix, <laughs> punch mm. a few darts, and just hammer monster energy drinks and have a, I can only imagine, fairly <laughs> restless night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Popcorn suggests um, just kicking back and relaxing, whereas the other two suggest to me more somebody who likes to have a heightened heart rate at all times. <laughs> Uh, do you do you drink energy drinks? I haven't had fucking any, I, I never drink energy nah, drinks. No, nah, I'm just uh, just straight into the kombucha all the time. <laughs> the booch, um, the booch. But um, no, I drink a lot of. I drink probably too much coffee, but I don't really get into energy drinks. Probably when I was at my most workaholic a few years ago, I had I got quite into. Uh, Oh, like a, very occasionally, I might have a a Red Bull or something, but that was many years ago. And then, and then, I more recently, I started drinking uh, Coke Zeros for a while. But I'm off that now. It's just coffee. I but, no, but not like proper. There are people who need to have a Red Bull every day, and I just think if I'm stressed and I've got a lot to do, <laughs> I don't, that's I'm just relying on my adrenal glands to carry me through i don't need to <laughs> augment it you don't need extra anxiety and also yeah, exactly. the anxiety of knowing that you're gaining weight from the amount of sugar that you're putting into your body <laughs> that's Just right extra. oh now i'm now i'm more stressed and worried about getting fat yeah i'm just stressed and fat i guess i'll just wait until i <laughs> keep my heart stops and i keel over so the end of that story is that i did yeah. get a, i did get a number I cannot wait to go <laughs> on a date to Burger King with yeah. Janine. Mate, she'll be running laps around you. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to add. Yeah. <laughs> As an addendum to the previous bit, it occurred to me that while you were talking about Peep Show that uh, Jesse Armstrong is one of the creators of Peep Show and mm -hmm. also one of the one of the creators of Succession, which That's is entering, right. I, I think it's I read that final too. stretch. And uh, I mean, he's got an incredible CV and um, the kind of credentials that make you feel quite lazy. Make you want to stand but, up and um, beg for buttermilk. <laughs> He's got exactly. the kind of credentials that make you want to stand up and beg for buttermilk. But of a bit of a yeah. true lies throwback there. <laughs> He's got He's got fucking writing chops like a ten year old boy. But um <laughs> but uh but yeah, I was just thinking and I know he's an occasional listener to this show, that it might be a good <laughs> idea to do a episode in the final season of Succession, which is done in the peep show style, oh, you know? Yes. Like, kind of uh you know go with roman roy i guess maybe sort of a pov roman roy and have a few of the pop, 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 little uh cutaways <laughs> yeah i saw that i saw that recently that he was one of the succession 
writers. And we want to give a shout out once again to friend of the show and every second best South Australian, Shiv Roy, a.k.a. Mm. Sarah Snooks. Snook. Snooky. We want to say big Snooks. Come on the show. Yeah. We are mm. come on. We love we love we love Adelaide based anecdotes on the show. And we <clears> know you got a bunch to share. <laughs> come on, come on, and don't talk about Holly Weird. Come and come yeah. and talk. Come and talk about your youth in Belair National Park. <laughs> Is it Eden Hills? I think that's what it's called. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't spend any time in the southern suburbs of Adelaide. Johnny, John, you know what I love. Real heaps when I'm going through my brain trying to find things to pull out to put into this show that sometimes mm-hmm. certain things <laughs> present themselves and I go, this is very DPTM. What is it mm. we call? You came up with some good words for topics to discuss, like something that's perfect for the splagmosphere or... Splagosphere, sh- yeah. Or... I think we talked about the schlagosphere. Was there another one as well? Like a double schlag. So I think even my cousin uh, might have been, Henna's might have written to me and said, Al, got a double schlag burger with a lot for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. I did use the term schlag burger with a lot. And that's usually when it contains maybe embarrassing celebrity oh, stories yes. and technology, <laughs> things like that. You're very close, exactly. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, it's just a- like... It's just, I guess that's so funny, isn't it? That a Splag, a Splag burger with a lot is prob- probably <laughs> probably involves technology, shame. Uh, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Squ- technology and squeamishness and, ce- and celebrity. So this is, mm. you're going to love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're going to love this. Just love it. <laughs> can you tell, can you tell everybody from, again? from as well? You're going to love this. Oh, isn't it? Fr- You're going to love this. Just love it. Is it Charlie and the it's Chocolate Charlie Factory? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's Gene Wilder yeah, yeah, yeah. when they get on the Chocolate River boat mm. and he, he's getting all excited to show them the Chocolate River boat and he just goes, You're going to love this. Just love it. And there's kind of weird syrupy music in the background. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Come with me and you'll be in my world of pure imagination. That's the scene. So mm. going to so what I love about this, John, is uh is that this article came across the desk. Our producer Colin slid it across the desk. And I love yep. these articles and I love imagining reading them to Let's say, for, so my parents are fairly in tune with technology from this podcast, basically. So they're not mm-hmm. a good example. But I mean, my dad, for example, is in his 60s and he's got a bunch of friends mm. who are Australian men and perhaps they've been tradespeople for their most of their lives professionally. So they've not really needed to faff about with technology and, and stay up. Yep. I love imagining reading the opening paragraphs of these articles to these men and just being like just none none of this would make any sense and they would just think that they were on a different planet so yeah i'm just gonna skip the headline and i'm just gonna read the first paragraph to you i just want to imagine 
that you're a 60-year-old builder in mm. Adelaide. Yeah. On Monday, He's- Twitch streamer Brandon Ewing, who goes by Atrioc online, admitted to buying and watching deepfakes from an account that makes non-consexual, sexually explicit AI-generated videos of his colleagues in the streaming world. Oh, my God. And I've, I said that to you as a 60-year-old Adelaide carpenter. You'd go, what? <laughs> There's so many words. In- Streaming, Man. Atrioc, yeah. Twitch, sexually mm. explicit AI-generated deepfake. Yeah, that'd, that'd pique my ears. Yeah, so, so this is a great story. So basically, mm. a Twitch streamer named Atrioc, who I guess is a gamer, another one of our favorites mm-hmm. on the show. We love the gamers out there. We give them a lot of respect. Mm. If you're a gamer, <laughs> we've got a lot of respect. If you're a Twitch streaming gamer, you've got a friend in DPTM. So Atrioc, <laughs> Atrioc is a Twitch streamer. I'm not even sure if he's mm. a gamer, but he's a Twitch streamer. Yeah. And he was on stream. This is a few weeks ago. This article that I'm reading, yeah. if I didn't mention, is on Vice. He was streaming live yeah. and he brought up a, obviously he's showing his computer screen to be able to stream. And he, right. And he quickly, his browser flashed up and he's got a, obviously a fucking massive audience of people watching. And yeah. people in his audience noticed that he had a tab open that was for a website that provided sexually explicit deep fakes of attractive Twitch stream girls, gamers in the Wow. So his colleagues, if you will. So anybody who doesn't know, I feel like maybe I'll just explain. I don't know if we've talked about deep fakes. This is for Mum. Yeah. This is for Mum and Mum and Marie and Steven, let me explain a deep fake to you. It's a technology that's been around for a few years, like all technologies these days, it's getting better and better, quicklier and quicklier. If I can use a word that doesn't exist, quicklier. Quicklier. Yeah. That one we're well, gonna invent. And sure. I think quicker doesn't quite capture the speed. <laughs> Uh, it's a technology that allows one to basically put take one piece of video might be you and me and then you can take a face model from anybody in the world it could be like tom cruise and then i can put tom cruise's face on your face almost like a mask but it's indistinguishable from a mask you look like you have tom cruise's face that's a deep fake Mm -hmm. and of course what people do is they've been getting Scarily good in scarily the last good. Kind of 20, So what they do is, is they take, of course, everything goes to porn straight away. So what mm. people did was they took the faces of people that there was no pornographic material available of on the internet mm. and they put mm-hmm. those people's faces on. Of course, a lot of gamer boys, they look at their favorite female Twitch streamers and they go, I wonder what she'd look like having sex. So let's yeah. put her face on a porn video that I've found. And so this mm. Atrioc guy... Wow. He opened his computer and all of his audience saw that he was, it not only was, was he visiting deep fake porn sites of his streaming colleagues, but the audience worked out from the site and the information on screen that he had paid because it was a, it was a subscription site. So he had, he'd paid for, uh, for access to this particular site. And this, this article is just fantastic. Uh, so the word non-consensual in that first paragraph means that, of course, the people concerned had no part in this. They did right? not they consent didn't... to having their faces 
put over this pornographic yeah, video. I see. I see. From yeah. Vice. As first reported by Dextro, Ewing said during his Monday stream in a tearful, now viral apology that he clicked on an ad for deep fake porn whilst browsing <laughs> Pornhub. The ad took him to another subscriber-only website, he said, mm. where he paid to view the images of popular female streamers. He said he was driven by, um, air quotes, morbid curiosity, which, oh, yeah. which I love because I think that's just a placeholder for wanting to have a powerful wank. Yeah, sure. And I, I, love, the fact, I love the fact that somebody who probably spends 90% of his waking life, if not more, on the internet has a excuse which makes it sound like he's very naive internet user he's just like i just clicked and then this thing came flashing up and i was like what is this i thought what? i thought i don't and then my girlfriend said did you click the mouse and i said what's a yeah. mouse is that this and i accidentally clicked okay because i thought that would make it go away <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, morbid curiosity and that his watching non-consensual porn is not a open, is not a quote, pattern of behavior. Uh, his mm. wife, cosplayer oh, Adriana Ewing, sat in the background of the stream and cried. So they did. Oh, when it, he was apologizing. When he was apologizing. So oh, I'm my real Lord. sorry <laughs> that I was watching deep fake porns. Wow. I think his punishment should be. Watching more deep fake porns, but the people affected by his conduct should get to choose who the deep fakes are of. Maybe they put like Mikhail Gorbachev on there or something. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this is just a very 2023 article. Mm, of yeah. The- a, a man whose career is getting paid to play video games online and having other people mm-hmm. watch and then... He's married to another woman that does the same thing. And then he's cyber cheated on her by viewing (laughs) deep fakes of other women in the street. Like he did, he did, he did, it's such, so lame. He didn't even choose. Not even like like celebrity models. Yeah. He's just like, oh, I want to see what Fox Girl 232 looks like if she's having sex. Yeah. 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 Wow. And I, and not only did he, I mean, because morbid curiosity might make you go, all right, I'm going to check this out for 15 minutes. But to subscribe, I think, requires a level of determination. Yeah. I mean, the the number of people who, number of men who watch internet porn is astronomical, but the number of men who subscribe to internet porn sites is fairly, is a very small proportion of that number, I think. Mm. Uh, but he's done it. And I... <laughs> You know, I get it. Like it, sometimes you're on the internet; it's very, it's very disorienting, and you just <laughs> especially, especially for for a professional streamer. He didn't mm. know what he was doing. He was so confused with morbid curiosity and technological <laughs> ineptitude. <laughs> no, I just hit the A. I, tr- I pressed escape, and then what's a tab? I don't know what a tab is. I'm so morbid. I, was, I suffer. So morbidly curious. He suffers from acute morbid curiosity. Morbid curiosity. Yeah, exactly. He went, <laughs> went to the doctor and he got diagnosed with morbid curiosity. <laughs> 
So, well, during the week, I got curious about something that was a figment of my upbringing, as I'm sure it was of yours and mm. a generation of others around the world, which was the You Wouldn't Steal a Car ad campaign. Sure. Uh, that, that was... Um, that was trying to discourage in the early 2000s, so perhaps just beyond my upbringing, although it seems like a very long time ago now and a kind of a different era, but I think it was about 2004 to 2007, there was a campaign that ran, that ran in all, uh, in lots of places around the world, including Australia, which had a, uh, which was, which is known as the You Wouldn't Steal a Car campaign because it, the way that it worked was to... It was an anti-piracy ad, and this was at a time when obviously streaming or torrent services were kind of getting really, um, were getting better and coming into much wider use. Yeah. And video piracy, not real piracy. Yeah, that's right. When it was a real, on the high seas, don't be a, it was was like a don't be a pirate campaign. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They were borrowing from a, um, an an 18th century (laughs) campaign you wouldn't steal a doubloon um but uh you wouldn't steal a peg a peg leg but, um, you wouldn't steal a parrot yeah exactly but uh but, um yeah so early 2000s lots of torrenting going on uh and it was starting to kind of impact i guess the sort of film and television and music industry and so there were various efforts to try and combat it. One of them was this ad. And the way that it worked was to try and draw a link between piracy, which was seen as fairly benign, I guess, by a lot of people, Mm. like a fairly victimless thing to do, and other more seriously regarded crimes. So it would say, you know, you wouldn't steal a car, you wouldn't rob a bank, you wouldn't, you know, like mug an old lady, so don't uh, don't engage in uh, video piracy. And it ended by saying, uh, piracy, it's a crime. And uh, I think, so it said this, you wouldn't steal a car, you wouldn't steal a handbag, you wouldn't steal a television, you wouldn't steal a movie. Downloading pirated film is stealing. Stealing is against the law. Piracy, it's a crime. Now, I was studying law at the time, and the main thing that got up my nose about it was that uh, that the piracy, video piracy was not in the Crimes Act. It was... Uh, <laughs> It was really, it was, I think, an offence, but I won't, I won't get into the weeds of those kinds of distinctions. But um, I think at a broader level, it just always didn't sit right with me, that ad, and it almost instantly became this kind of object of ridicule and became like, a, a, I mean, its, its influence became much more lasting as a kind of, uh, as satire. So, you know, there are lots of memes circulating even now which which are things like just like nonsense things like you wouldn't steal a fettuccine alfredo or whatever or like there was an episode of the of the IT crowd that included reference to it where somebody said you wouldn't steal a baby you wouldn't shoot a policeman and then steal his helmet you wouldn't go to the toilet in the helmet and then send it to the policeman's grieving widow and then steal the helmet again and then and so people were kind of you know, it was obviously not. It didn't achieve the intended effect. One of the uh, one of the great ones that I saw quite recently, John was just uh, was on one of those great meme accounts, like grape juice boys on Instagram or something, mm. and uh, mm. 
It was just a picture of a house with, yeah. for some reason, there was like a USB slot in the side of the house with a USB <laughs> stick in it. And it just said, you wouldn't download a house. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I don't think I realized, certainly not at the time, but until relatively recently that it had such an international reach. And yeah. So many people had been exposed to this campaign. Um, and then there was a a series of articles on it that I discovered in kind of looking into it, which looked at a study that was conducted fairly recently uh, in a international journal called the Information Society. And it was called Doing More with Less Behavioral Ins Insights for Anti-Piracy Messages. And I used my account as a staff member of the University of Melbourne to download and read legally, I might add, this, uh, <laughs> this um, article. And it was it was interesting because it kind of explored why this campaign and other campaigns hadn't worked in a way that I guess articulated things that were intuitively fairly obvious to most people, but maybe they hadn't thought about. And and also kind of explained why this ad campaign just always seemed a bit naff to me. So it was talking about, for example, the fact that when you there's this you know psychological phenomenon that's known in uh, sort of behavior change circles, like any kind of public policy that's trying to prompt you to do something or not to do something. And that, and there's a kind of paradoxical effect where if you describe that thing and you describe it as something which is obviously, you know, the context in which you describe it is such that you're admitting that it's a kind of prevalent behavioral norm, Yeah. then you, then you're, then you basically make it more acceptable, even if the context of you saying this is don't do this. It just kind of makes people think, oh, well, everyone seems to be doing yeah, that. Because so I guess you, it's okay. You would look at it and go, fuck, I'm seeing this at the start of every DVD that I rent. So it must be a yeah. thing that everybody's doing. I feel like I'm really it's, missing out here. Yeah. Why I feel like I I'm missing this? out. I feel like I'm missing out on something that everyone's cotton on to and or I might have felt bad about this, but it seems like every man and his dog is doing it. So whatever. Uh, and then, and they and they drew this parallel with this uh, this two thousand and three study, which found that um, informing visitors of the Petrified Forest National Park in Arizona that many visitors were stealing small pieces of petrified wood <laughs> inadvertently increased the theft rate. <laughs> Petrified wood, because everyone was like, "Oh yeah, I might." I mean, that makes perfect sense. I could wood. totally imagine that somebody would yeah. be that if I went to fucking like Rome, and there was a yeah. sign that said, "Don't steal ruins from this site." Yeah, exactly. People are stealing go, ruins from this site like you wouldn't believe. So we got to put signs up. I'd be like, "Yeah, you know, you can steal ruins." Yeah, that's right. Wouldn't have occurred to me, but I, I will now. <laughs> Got to do it before they're all gone. Get my own slice. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a total sucker for not stealing ruins. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they also, they also made several other, these kinds of campaigns, and particularly the You Wouldn't Steal a Car campaign, also made several other errors, which are apparently kind of fairly well-known species of mistakes in any kind of, you know, again, like behavioral psychology. So they emphasized the... Uh, high number of victims, which apparently just makes people. Um, it says the, the authors of the study said due to due to human biases, it's it's uh, 
people will disproportionately help a well-identified victim more than statistical victims. In short, emphasizing statistical victims of piracy numbs uh, dry statistics fail to to spark emotion and motivate action, which makes sense. Again, if you, through a campaign like this, emphasize or at least imply that this is a widespread offence, then people kind of don't feel any particular empathy for the victims of the offence. There are over a billion people involved in the film and television industry worldwide and stealing will affect this one billion people. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. People are like, well, I can't, I don't really have a mental image of any particular person (laughs) or how that harm translates. And then then they talked about, you know, the fact that, um, they said the most <clears throat> the most identifiable victims might not be the best heralds for the anti-piracy cause. The immediate example of a victim of online movie piracy that comes to mind can, for instance, be a well-known actor. So, you know, like you kind of go, well, these people are. Yeah, that's right. You go, these people are seem to be doing fine. In fact, I envy them in many respects. So... I'm not going to stop doing something that's yeah. like potentially. That was always the problem when when Napster started and people were file sharing MP3s and the people that started crying it was like Lars Ulrich from Metallica. Yeah, that's right. And, and you were was like, going, "I don't give a fuck what happens to Lars." No, exactly. It seemed like it's like you know the 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 king in a feudal time. In fact, Lars about- is the worst person to do it because Lars Ulrich comes from a wealthy Danish family and then he was in Metallica. Oh, is that right? He's like, he's had the least <laughs> amount of obstacles to overcome in his life. <laughs> Old Lars. And then yeah, he was saying, pro- my Metallica, I'm losing some of my Metallica money. Yeah, my royalty checks are going down after a mere 20 years of being at the top. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, and then they just talked about more obviously that there were, that when you kind of present a series of, uh, strong and weak arguments, and this is something I should bear in mind as a lawyer because I sometimes am tempted to do that, that basically the the bad arguments weaken the strong arguments by sort of crowding them out. And they said this particular ad, the you wouldn't steal a car campaign, you know, compared things like stealing a DVD in a store, you kind of go, oh, okay, well, that's a reasonable parallel. But stealing a handbag, I mean, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not like a hardened criminal. I'm just, I just want to watch the office. Um. <laughs> I think you also think about the kind of trauma that would result mm. from you stealing a handbag from perhaps even violently ripping it off an old lady versus exactly. like some, some Hollywood executive looking at a data sheet going, or oh, a few percentage <laughs> points down today, probably yeah, from piracy. Right. Or like, you know, the kind of, drug fueled desperation involved in stealing a car versus, yeah, just kind of being in your jocks at home going, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind listening to Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was an interesting little dip back into that time because, and the reason it was, I think it's been in the news a little bit is because they're talking about how in recent times, because of the splitting up of the streaming services so that you can't sort of get a lot of stuff through the one service as you might have been a couple of years ago it might have been able to a couple of years ago when netflix was really dominating for example uh paired with the sort of increase in cost of living apparently it's led to a return to a time where people a lot more people torrented yeah because they because you can't think people go well like 
I can't have fucking 12 subscriptions to Disney and HBO Max and Netflix and Hulu and... Yeah, and it, like I, but I want to watch shows from all of them. It's apparently mm. it's this it's this problem where nobody can agree. They can't work out a model where they all share, which is uh, mm. which you think will have to be on the horizon. There will have to be some kind mm. of. I mean, it's the age of technology. You'd surely be able to come up with something where you pay some sort of one subscription fee and you get access to most of their catalog. Yeah. You'd think so, right? I'm sure that's I'm sure that's on the cards. Lars Ulrich is from a wealthy Danish family, generations of Danish wealth, and they were all tennis <laughs> champions. Did you know that? Did oh. you know that the reason the reason that Lars Ulrich ended up in the in Metallica is because he mm. went to America to play tennis and that's where he mm. met Hetfield. Wow. And then you get you go. Master of Puppets. Master. Wow, and he used his uh, his strong forearms that had been. It's <laughs> exactly per- it sc- that had been sculpted <laughs> from all those from- backhands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Realized he could keep a beat with it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Don't Fight the Shit. What a fantastic episode it's been. We've absolutely loved talking about the early 2000s anti-piracy campaign. You wouldn't steal a car, or would you? And we've loved talking about getting caught by the missus for watching the fake Twitch stream of pornography. Try explaining that one to your great grandparents. As always, I've been one of your hosts, and I go by the name Alexander Holman and I'm sat digitally next to my number one prince of podcasting. You gotta be the one called John Maloney. Thanks so much, everybody, and we can't wait to see you next week. Don't forget to stay prayed up, and we're really going to see you next week. Hey, the podcast. Thank you.